0: This is The Letter That Changed the World, The Biblical Theology of Romans, Part 53. And tonight we're looking at casting off the works of darkness and putting on Christ. It's, it's an interesting study when we're going to be comparing a couple of texts. So it's it's kind of a way of, of learning truth from God's Word and at the same time, hope, learning the discipline of how to study the Bible carefully. So in addition to the content of the teaching, I'm hoping that as we work through this, you'll start to see what it is to compare phrases with phrases and passages with passages, so you you don't just get a little slice of what the Bible says, but you you see how it's formed in different contexts, and you can learn how Scripture interprets Scripture. So that's my hope, that as we work through this tonight, you'll... you'll um, just kind of be mentally awake and alert and see how we take phrases and thoughts out of a verse, relate them to others so you get a bigger understanding of what this particular text is saying. So the content, and then I hope the method kind of helps us in terms of our own devotional study of God's word. Casting off the works of darkness and putting on Christ. The text we've been in for a couple of weeks emphasizing different aspects of it, is Romans 13, verses 11 to 14. Paul writes to these Christians. He's not met them, Christians in Rome. And he says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of the light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, Not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You you know the time, he says. Think about your everyday life. There aren't very many things you'll do well or wisely, if you have absolutely no idea of what time it is. I mean, everything seems to be timed, right? I mean, when to arrive at work, when to arrive at class, when to go home, when you have meetings with people you must meet, even when you pay your mortgage, when you deposit funds, when you get paid, almost Almost everything in our lives is somewhat time sensitive and to do it well you have to do it at the right time or by the right time. So our lives, yours, mine, they're made up of minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. And 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 we spend much of our life lining up our knowledge of what needs to be done, lining that up with the corresponding time when it needs to be done. And because we we don't live forever, there's a measure of truth that fruitfulness depends on doing what has to be done and doing it at such and such a time. This text, like few others in the Bible, is, I think we'd all agree, it's a time text. The very first phrase. Because Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come. He says this age of night, darkness, he says it's far gone. By far gone, he doesn't mean that it's less evil than it used to be. He doesn't mean it's not dark. It's still very dark, very wicked, as much as ever. He means he means far gone in the sense that it's coming to the end of its time. It's not going to be like this forever and the day is at hand. Christ has come and will come again and usher in his kingdom and a new creation. Dawn means the night is almost over. So, Paul says to these Christians, you know the time. Verse 11. Not the way you hear the time when you're in your car, the radio is on and somebody says it's 11:58. Not as a point of information. You, you know the time in the way you, you've got a flight that leaves at such and such a time. You've set your alarm. Or you've got the reminder set on your, on your smartphone for the job interview. You've got that hair appointment at 9 a.m. because the wedding is at 4. He, he means you know the time in the sense that you have your life governed by this. You're organized around knowing what time it is. So, tonight's study examines what Christians do when they know the time. What, what changes What changes do you make when you know that the night is far gone, the day is at hand, that it's time to wake up? What, what, what changes does that set in our schedule? That's what the rest of the passage is going to do. Here's what we have to do. ...if we know what time it is. Point number one. When we know what time it is... ...we must put on the armor of light. Which is another way of saying... ...we must put on Christ. Now I said... ...I hope you see how we study stuff like this. Verse 12 and 14 are are parallel verses. They're saying the same thing... ...but in slightly different words... Just to give the same truth a bit of a different emphasis. So 12 says, So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, put on armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 12 says, Cast off the works of darkness. 14 says, Make no provision for the flesh. So you can see he's kind of repeating himself, but in a slightly different way. Both Verses give you a negative and a positive. You can't just not do bad things. That's not enough. That's just morality. Being good will take no one to heaven. And so he says in addition to the negative things, you have to put on Christ or put on the armor of the light. So I know it gets a bit involved, but here's what I want you to see. The way you cast off the works of darkness, verse 12, the way you do that is by putting on the armor of the light. And the way you make no provision for the flesh in 14 is by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what what we need to do, if you're still with me, we need to nail down what is Paul telling us to do when he tells us to put on the armor of the light or to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean I think we need to be clear. There's there's no there's no help at all in just religious jargon putting on Christ. You can't you can't just put on some paper Christ or fake armor. What are we supposed to do to put on Christ and the armor of the light? What what do we do? How does that happen? And another helpful passage along those lines is 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 9. Is that in your notes? Okay. You'll see now, here's Paul, same apostle, and exactly the same subject, and just repeating some ideas, but expanding on them a little bit. So you get the same truth. Only he's peeling back the layers of it a bit more. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting at verse 5. For you are all children of light, children of the day. See, same thing. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep. Romans 13, let us time to wake up. Time to wake from your sleep. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake... And be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Now look at this. In 13 of Romans, putting on the armor of the light, putting on Christ. Now look what he says here. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So notice, Romans 13, put on armor. Which is the same as putting on Christ. Put on armor. Now here, here's what the armor is. Do you see what he's doing? Here's what the armor is. The armor is faith in Jesus Christ, love for Jesus Christ, and hope in Jesus Christ. That's how you put on The Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the armor is. Even a casual reading. Reveals. The very same ideas being presented. As in our Romans 13 text. But the important part is that. Eighth verse. Of 1st Thessalonians 5. Since we belong to the day. Let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith. ...and love, and the helmet. Breastplate, helmet, what are they? It's armor, right? So he's telling us what the armor is... ...that he was talking about in Romans 13. And so what you do is... Now here's the method. Here's what I hope you see. You're studying the Bible. You come at it like like a crime scene investigator... ...and you put all the clues together. From Romans 13... ...Christians, when they know what time it is... ...when they see what's happening... That the night is far gone, the day is at hand. They put on the armor of light, which is the same as putting on Christ. That's Romans 13. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, we're learning that the armor of this armor is the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. So here's what we now know. Here's what Christians do when they know what time it is. They cast off the unfruitful works of darkness. But you can't, just, you can't just shut things out and leave a vacuum. So what they do is they put, on, they put on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is like putting on armor. And the kind of armor it is, is faith in Christ, love for Christ, hope in Christ. Paul chooses, it's a metaphor that Paul chooses really carefully. Because this world is dark. He says it's dark. And it's constantly aiming its destructive darts at your heart. You you need the breastplate. And your head. Your heart with its emotions, its affections, its desires. Your head with its concept of truth, absolute truth, revealed truth. That's that's how you put on Christ in a media-saturated age. That's how you do it. And we need to know that. Just the phrase, putting on Christ, doesn't help anybody. What are we talking about when we're putting on Christ? We all know you can't just shut off bad thoughts like a light switch. Sometimes when you try real hard not to think about something, you know where your brain goes? It goes right there. Paul says you have to counter those things with more than just your willpower. More help is being offered. We're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to put him on the way you, with the kind of attention, the kind of attention that we give to, to putting on our clothes. That's why Paul chooses that image. You know what you do. You go, to, you go to Tommy Bahama or Banana Republic or whatever your choice is, and we all willingly part with more money than we all know any of those clothes is worth. Why are we such suckers? Well, because we care greatly about what we're putting on, sometimes to the point of idolatry. We care about what we're putting on. So that's why Paul chooses this image, put on Christ, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to, Romans thirteen twelve. the only way to cast off the unfruitful works of darkness, the only way to, verse 14, make no provision for the flesh, we have to put on Christ, which is the breastplate of faith in Christ, love in Christ, and the helmet of hope in Christ. So now what I want to do is talk about those things quick. We've done most of the background work. Now. Are you still with me? All right. Putting on Christ means putting on faith in Christ. So I know now, I didn't before, but now I know with the First Thessalonians 5 text, I know that putting on Christ means filling my mind with his word. Because faith cometh by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. Faith, faith follows what you give your attention to. That's why it matters that you come to church as much as you possibly can. That's why it matters that you get three teachings every Sunday instead of just one repeated at different service times. That's how faith grows. That's how faith grows. Faith follows what you give your attention to. If you spend more time listening to the TSX, reading the Financial Post, than the New Testament, then you will have more faith in your wealth than in the living Christ. And that's a great disaster because Paul says this dark world is far gone. So, putting on Christ means putting on faith in Christ, filling your life with God's Word. Secondly, putting on Christ means putting on love for Christ. Paul says so, 1 Thessalonians 5. And now we start to see how love for Christ is going to be formed in my heart. It doesn't just happen, love for Christ is is put on, There's there's a deliberation in getting dressed. Love for Christ is put on by, by pondering, thinking about, meditating on what you have read and heard from God's word. It, it's, it's getting still each day and allowing some time for precious truth to, to thicken like a rich stew on a slow simmer. Here's something that great saints have learned. I need to learn more deeply. You probably do too. I can lose. I can lose all the benefit of everything I've studied and heard from God's word. You can too. Not because you weren't listening. You were listening. Maybe you were taking notes. But you can still lose all the benefit of what the Holy Spirit wants to do with that truth. Simply by turning away immediately to something trivial after you've heard the truth about Jesus Christ. And the devil snatches it away. Not that he didn't hear it, but didn't linger over it. You, You can't ponder Christ deeply at Upper Canada Mall. There's lots of good things you can do at Upper Canada Mall. But you can't ponder Christ deeply there. You can't ponder Christ deeply by soaking your life in sports. There are guys, maybe that's being sexist, there are people here right now. And you could tell me every player on the Raptors and you couldn't cite the name of the 12 disciples. How does that happen? I can't teach my children to ponder deeply Christ by buying them all the things they want. There's words. We read them at the beginning of every every, uh, baby dedication in our church. And I don't choose them lightly. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That's the parents, not the infant. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you get up. Those are words addressed to the adults. This is how adults keep their lives focused on God so they can have their children focus their lives on God. They aren't about the church service. They're about what the family does after the church service. How they discuss the application of God's ways to what comes on the TV What movie they went to. What kind of content they're streaming. The magazines they bring home. Paul says this is a part of learning to put on the breastplate of love for Christ. C. Finally, Paul says we're to put on Christ. By putting on the hope. In Christ's promise and future. We've been talking about this Sunday morning. So I'm not going to labor it to death. Breastplate of. Faith. And love. And in the the head. In the mind. The helmet of the the hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. This is the greatest protection. Fix your mind daily. Hourly. On the hope of Christ's return. Fill. Fill your mind with it. Kill all the lies of Satan by turning from the pull of immediate gratification, immediate accumulation, by facing your life away from the fading night. The day is coming. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Look to that day. Think about that day. Know the promises of Christ. Treasure your certain future to the extent that you actually start to inhabit it. You taste it right now. You long for it. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then make no provision for the flesh. Here's what I believe. I believe if I don't love and treasure Christ, I will find every command and imposition and every sacrifice a burden and every call to holiness legalistic. All that comes from not treasuring Christ. Obeying Christ makes all the difference in the world. Loving Christ. If, if, if Pastor Ron, you're in the hospital, Pastor Ron comes up, and you've just had surgery, and you're groggy, and you open your eyes, and there's, in all of his splendor, there's Pastor Ron standing by your bed. And you go, oh, man, boy, Pastor Ron, I can't believe it. So, that, that's big church that you would think of me and come up here and see me. And Ron, he takes your hand. He's got a little New Testament. He takes your hand and he says, yeah, well, <sighs> Pastor Don kind of read the riot act. He said, I haven't been visiting enough people and I got to come up and see you. So here I am. I came to see you. He said he'd fire me if I didn't come. So, <laughs> Do you feel very special at that point? But if he comes up and says, you know what? There's lots of things I could be doing, but there's just, this is a delight. That I get to come and see you. You're just precious to me. And to our church. Same visit. But it's totally different isn't it? If I treasure Christ. All of the calls to holiness and obedience and sacrifice. They don't feel like dead weight. Anymore I, I love. I used this illustration before. I love Reni. It's not a chore to me. Not to run around with other women. Because she's my joy. And so when you treasure Christ, the breastplate of faith and love, the helmet of the hope of salvation, changes everything. Changes everything. Okay. There's only two points. And we're on the second one. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Here's the second thing people do when they know what time it is. They put on Christ. That was the first point. They make no provision for the flesh. 14b of Romans 13. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It's not enough just to forsake sin. It says I'm to choke out the desire. Make no provision. Choke out the desire for those sins. I'm not to provide oxygen for those sins. Not to provide space or, or life to any of those things. And then he puts these things in pairs. We're going to go fast. Verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in, okay, orgies and drunkenness, sexual immorality and sensuality, quarreling and jealousy. He puts them in pairs. He puts them in plurals because they multiply. They spread he calls them works of darkness because, well, they're the things we try to hide from people. They're the things we try to cover up. Or, they're the things we try to justify when other people know about them. Orgies and drunkenness indicates what we would consider any kind of any kind of uh, substance abuse. Because Satan's chief weapon is deception in the mind. Anything that clouds or potentially clouds alert, biblical thinking just plays into his hands. Let me just say this. I don't preach on it very much. I'm not one of those people that thinks if you have a glass of wine with dinner, you're going to hell. Don't put me in that camp. I'm not in that camp. I do believe that the gradual laxness in the church toward alcohol doesn't bode well for the generation coming up. That's my belief. I can't prove that to you. It's just a conviction I have. In every... Lists that Paul gives of sins of the flesh, drunkenness gets a high place. And every parable Jesus told about people that weren't ready when the master came back, check it out. Every parable he told, there's drunkenness involved. Now, I'm just asking you, is that coincidental? Or is there something that we're at least supposed to think about? Then he says sexual immorality and sensuality. Sexual expression in... Homosexuality, sexual expression outside of marriage, sexual expression before marriage, pornography. I mean, we live in a world with the technology in our homes in which 35% of engine search hits land on pornographic sites. 35% of all search engine hits. That's what Paul means by the works of darkness. Don't don't you make provision for those things. Quarreling and jealousy. These are the kind of sins that break up the community of Christ in the last days. Mar the testimony of the church. Uh, I talked about it this morning. Any thought that keeps replaying a wrong, that's a work of darkness. Any unwillingness to accept and love with a love that genuinely labors and prays the best for people who wrong me. Any position in ministry that's exercised by someone I hate and it disgusts me. All of those things. They're works of darkness that people have to cast off when they know. You know what time it is? There's no time for those things, Paul says. Cast them off. And make no provision. If you're bored, here's what that means, make no provision. If you're bored or discouraged or depressed, don't even begin to think about finding relief in alcohol. If you're feeling your husband doesn't listen to you, he doesn't understand you, don't even think about that client at work who just cares about you and you just have such a good time with. Don't go there. If you've been lied to or cheated out of something rightfully yours, don't even begin to think of how unjust it's all been and how others need to know the real truth about brother so-and-so and and what he did. Don't even make provision for those things. Why? It's all part of the dark. And he says, "It's, it's far gone. We're done with it. The day is coming. So cast off all those things. The breastplate of faith, which comes from the word of God. The breastplate of love, which comes from pondering and cherishing truth learned, lingering over it. The helmet of salvation, the hope, where you trust in the promise of God for all your satisfaction, joy, and delight, and you long for it. That's what Christians do when they know what time it is.